0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Joel Vine Show. Continuing on with our series on the six pillars of self-esteem by the one and only Nathaniel Brandon and this third pillar of the practice of self-responsibility. What I love about Brandon is his integration of philosophy and psychology, building off of the philosophical clarity of Ayn Rand, with whom he was in close connection for many years, and getting that foundation established for thinking clearly about the world, to use one's capacity for reason, to make sense of things, and how that integrates in to one's sort of intuition, one's right brain, one's feelings. One of my favorite quotes by Brandon is think clearly to feel deeply and feel deeply to think clearly so brandon took the philosophy of ayn rand the healthiest parts of it i would say and integrated in his psychotherapeutic expertise and experience and practice and understanding of the soft science of psychology the the more nuanced understandings of how our psyche is involved in this experience of what we call life and that we are prone to make errors in our thinking based on biases or parts of ourselves that might be distorting our thinking through perhaps childhood wounds and so forth and so this integration of philosophy and psychology i mean it really makes me come alive to to, to play with these and Brandon is basically the foundation the back the backbone of this process for me, and every single time, as I've said before, every single time I read his work, it's empowering it's um activating it's it's um it calls me to greater levels of awareness literally every single time I read his writing. I'm activated in a more alert in my consciousness my awareness my sense of self-efficacy and self-esteem and self-responsibility, just by reading it, I'm like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, right? Continuing to gain mastery and gain competence over the practice of the six pillars, right? Because we recognize that in any skill, there are these four stages of learning, right? The first stage being unconscious incompetence where we're not even aware of our incompetence. Second stage being conscious incompetence. We're now aware of what we don't know, of what we have not mastered. The third stage, conscious competence. To now have competence over that skill, but still requiring effort and deliberate intention to keep that competence, to perform that skill. And lastly, unconscious incompetence to have such mastery over a skill that it is in the background, right? So the most basic example of this is your ability to tie your shoes. When you first started, you were moving through that stage. First, you didn't even know shoe tying existed, but then when you were introduced to it, you were consciously incompetent at it, right? And so you persevered through the repetition of learning and the deliberation of learning to eventually be able to do it, but still with some conscious effort until you've, you've done it enough times where you gained unconscious competence, where you can now tie your shoe without thinking about it at all. So when it comes to the six pillars, you know, you could say it's a more robust skill set than tying one's shoe, right? So I've been at this for over a decade in terms of my awareness of these six pillars and continuing to go back, continuing to go back. And so at this place, I'm, I think I'm at a, you know, somewhere in in between stage three and four, um, definitely have conscious competence over these six pillars, but continuing to return and seeking to gain unconscious competence. And it's kind of funny because the first pillar of self-esteem is living with consciousness, living consciously. But actually, Brandon talks about it's possible to get to a place where you're so competent at your level of consciousness that you are essentially unconsciously conscious. (laughs) It's so automated to be conscious that you don't need to think about becoming conscious. You're just always conscious, right? Um, There's maybe a little bit of irony in that. And, And again, it's worth remembering that this stuff is not black and white. The four stages of learning aren't black and white. And we can we can slip in and out of competency competencies right and and there's all these nuances we might practice living consciously on at ten a m or at two p m we slip down right so again, that's why this is the practice practice of of the six pillars of self esteem and again, I think it's possible to get to a place where you're so integrated and so dialed in, if you will, that these these six pillars are fully, fully flourishing uh, consistently. But it is a devotion, especially when we grow up in a culture where we, this is not nurtured. And so it's the call to the, basically the hero's journey, call to action, to engage in this process of thinking, choosing to think, choosing to raise awareness, right? That That first pillar of living consciously and then choosing to accept what is to accept the facts, accepting the facts of your competency right now in this practice, accepting that you might feel uncomfortable right now in this moment, recognizing that mm, you haven't been practicing these six pillars in many ways, perhaps throughout your life. Can you have loving acceptance for the parts of you that, you know, feel uneasy about that or regretful or, or any emotion that comes up? Right? And then that moves us into the, the practice of self-responsibility. And it really piggybacks on those first two pillars to say, let's look at what is, let's accept what is, and now let's take responsibility and action based on our acceptance of what is. And recognizing that responsibility is simply one's ability to respond. You know, the, the term... Responsibility has so much connotation typically in our culture. It gets tied up in notions of duty, obligation, um, perhaps of independence and self-reliance without any support from others, right? Just be self-responsible and don't need anybody else, right? And so it can be even thinking about the concept of responsibility asks you to to be aware of what associations you have with the concept um so creating reframes such as i have the ability to respond or the practice of self empowerment right could be helpful but also becoming aware of your subconscious beliefs and and you know psychosomatic uh, associations with the word responsibility you know i grew up in a culture a family system where there was much denial of responsibility a lot of group think and unhealthy dynamics that were not nurturing that autonomous empowered uh integrity of one's own choices right Recognizing that one is responsible for one one's actions and one's thoughts and one's one's attitudes, right? Even if you aren't necessarily intending to do something, you're still responsible for it, right? And nobody else is responsible for your needs. Nobody else is able to know your needs, right? So a big part of my childhood was this kind of unhealthy dynamics of this, what um, Ken Wilber would call... Uh, a broken green stage of consciousness where there's a lot of, in his in his framework on integral theory, and not to go on a tangent here, but this assumption that the group matters more than the individual. But see, that doesn't work because everyone has needs. And so in my childhood, there was a lot of, think of others first, right? Think of others first. And so what that was then breeding was not asserting and Peaking one's needs, right? So then you would sit on your needs, and you would say, "Oh no, I don't need that. Oh, I'm I'm good. It doesn't matter to me." But then secretly, deep down, you actually wanted to say what your opinion was, or your whatever your self expression was, or what, whatever your needs were. But then you would downplay that as a strategy to adapt to that culture of self sacrifice, basically. So all that to say is we perhaps have connotations of this concept of responsibility and it's nothing to do with duty actually it's about selfishness it's about healthy selfishness enlightened self-interest and it's about empowering oneself to create happiness and fulfillment and so let's let's dive deeper into what brandon's definitions of self-responsibility are he talks about. At the beginning of his chapter, in The Six Pillars of Self-Esteem, he says, To feel competent to live and worthy of happiness, I need to experience a sense of control over my existence. This requires that I be willing to take responsibility for my actions and the attainment of my goals. This means that I take responsibility for my life and well-being. Self-responsibility is essential to self-esteem, and it is also a reflection of or manifestation of self-esteem. The relationship between self-esteem and its pillars is always reciprocal. The practices that generate self-esteem are also natural expressions and consequences of self-esteem, as we shall discuss. The practice of self-responsibility entails these realizations, and I'll name a few of these here. I'm responsible for the achievement of my desires. I'm responsible for my choices and actions. I'm responsible for the level of consciousness I bring to my work and to my relationships. I'm responsible for my behavior with other people. I'm responsible for how I prioritize my time, for the quality of my communications, for my personal happiness, for accepting or choosing the values by which I live, and I'm responsible for raising my self-esteem. So it's recognizing that you have that volitional agency to create the life that you desire, to create fulfillment, to create the happiness that is your birthright, but recognizing that while it's your birthright, it is not necessarily unearned, right? Happiness is something that you earn by taking responsibility for your actions and recognizing what needs you do have and saying, what creative action and strategies will I take in order to get my needs met? So again, that comes back down to these first two pillars just to be conscious of what are your needs what are your needs oh i have a need for fulfillment oh i have a need for self assertiveness a need for self expression i have a need for honesty i have a need for openness you know for me right now the, the 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 need for honesty and openness is forefront of my mind and a lot of the personal growth i've been doing the past few months is is shedding old layers and beliefs about being honest and assertive and continuing to grow and expand that level of of self self-expression and to then take responsibility for my need for for honesty by by leading with that and not necessarily assuming that others are going to help me with that right and saying you know I want my need to be for honesty to get met that's my responsibility i want my, i want to get my need for openness to get met that's my responsibility so if I'm craving openness, I'm craving uh, um, interactions in my relationships where people are expressing their feelings, for example. That's basically what I mean. Like I want to know what people's thoughts and feelings are because I want to create a world of openness. Like that's essential to my mission. So how do, I, how do I live that? Okay, I'm noticing that my need for openness is not getting met right now. Well, what can I do? Oh, I can express that I'm feeling unsure, and I'm desiring to know what's alive in you. Or, hey, are you feeling worried right now? Are you wanting some reassurance? Guessing people's feelings and needs literally meets my need for openness right there just by initiating that. So that's all to say that we have the power to respond to our situations with ability, to to not wait for someone else to come swoop in. And Brandon talks about this. This idea that no one is coming to save you. No one is coming to save you. And, and Brandon tells this story that he was telling uh, in a group therapy session, telling clients about this concept that no one is coming, that no one is coming. And at first, some of those clients would, uh, would object and say, but Nathaniel, It's not true. You came. Correct, I admitted. But I came to say that no one is coming. So check in with your feelings when you hear this idea of no one is coming. And perhaps parts of you feel alienated or alone or worried because you want to have support and connection and reassurance and safety and love and community, right? Maybe that triggers parts of you that feel some fear around being fully autonomous and all that's welcome right and so it's becoming aware that practice of self self-respons- self responsibility does not need to at all diminish those needs for support and community and connection and we can allow ourselves to be supported we can allow ourselves to have ease and comfort from Trusted relationships with others who can be integral in our experience of well being. It's recognizing that at the end of the day, we are an independent, sovereign human who is responsible for choosing to think or not to think, for choosing to say or not to say, right? Whether or not you speak up is your responsibility. If you choose to not speak, You are acting. Inaction is a form of action. You are always acting in every single moment. Every single moment you are acting. It is inescapable fact of reality. And so recognizing that that is actually the case when you're choosing to not speak, when we frame and phrase that in the affirmative, that's actually you are choosing to keep your lips closed. That is the action you are taking when you don't take responsibility to uh, you express yourself in this example. But this applies in any direction in life, You're taking responsibility for your financial life. If you refuse to or you evade looking at your facts of your financial situation, well, that is your choice. You are choosing to do other things instead. So you can't escape the fact that you are responsible for your actions. Now, Brendan also talks about, let's not go to, let's not interpret this in any extreme way where we're thinking that we're responsible for literally everything that happens to us. And there certainly are events and circumstances that transpire in our lives that are beyond our sphere of control, and it's recognizing, you know, kind of acknowledging that serenity prayer, right? Right to have the wisdom to know the difference between what is in your control and what is not in your control. And so Brett Brandon says, in stressing that we need to take responsibility for our life and happiness, I'm not suggesting that a person never suffers through accident or through the fault of others, or that a person is responsible for everything that may happen to him or her. I need to know the difference between that which is up to me and that which is not. The only consciousness over which I have volitional control, is my own. So you can't control others' actions that perhaps do affect you, but you can always choose your response. Right? As Viktor Frankl said, you have the power to choose your attitude in any given set of circumstances. So, let's flesh out a little bit more some of these notions that Brandon defines as self-esteem. And one that I would like to recognize is I'm responsible for the level of consciousness I bring to my relationships. So he says, am I fully present in my encounters with others? Am I present to what is being said? Do I think about the implications of my statements? Do I notice how others are affected by what I say and do? So being conscious of what is it, what quality am I bringing to an interaction? When I'm choosing to listen or to speak, that is a choice in a conversation am i aware am i taking radical responsibility for my ratio of listening to speaking for example am i fully present right and none of this is about right or wrong it's just awareness and recognition of your full power that you get to choose so this integrates you know perfectly in lockstep with the first pillar of living consciously I'm responsible for how I prioritize my time. Whether the choices I make about the disposition of my time and energy reflect my professed values or are incongruous with them is my responsibility. If I insist that I love my family more than anyone, yet am rarely alone with them and spend most of my leisure time playing cards or golf, always surrounded by friends, I need to confront my contradiction and think about its implications. If I declare that my most important task at work is finding new clients for the firm, but spend ninety percent of my time bogged down in office trivia that produces very little income. I need to reexamine how I am, be- am investing my energy. So this connects, of course, to the the last pillar of self-esteem: the need for integrity, the practice of living with integrity, and being in integrity and in congruence with one's own values. And are we aware of that? And then, if we are out of alignment with our professed values, will, will you take responsibility for that, right? So for me, huge part of my 20s was recognizing that I was working in a government-funded K-12 school system that was literally in opposition to my core values of freedom and trust of the child and voluntary interaction, and I could go on and on. So then the practice of living with integrity was a huge part of my hero's journey, to say, well, I'm out of integrity, okay, I'm out of integrity and I'm and I'm unhappy, right? I'm I'm not satisfied working in a system that's not aligned with who I am as and my authentic self, and say, okay, w- will I take responsibility for the situation in which I find myself? I'd say, okay. I'm conscious about what system I'm in. I'm going to accept the facts. I'm going to accept the facts of my feelings about the situation. and i say, what, what am I going to do? Right? So I took this, this notion of discontented optimism. And I said, I'm so discontent in this situation. I'm going to own that discontentment. I'm going to be fully conscious and accepting of my discontentment about this situation and this system and the fact that I'm not in alignment with my need for integrity, ooh, I'm going to channel that discontentment towards optimism and constructive action. Say, what can I do to empower myself, to springboard myself into alignment? And that's exactly what I did. And that choice is available to you in any circumstance. You are always free. You are always free. In any moment. So one more of these statements I'd like to flesh out. I'm responsible for accepting or choosing the values by which I live. Right? So often we can inherit values based on our family of origin. And it can be very easy to go along with the flow, go along with the tribe, and just assume, well, this, this this, is what everybody else around me says is the right way to do things or is what good values are, right? So going back to that idea of think of others first, common value, especially in the culture in which I grew up, well, one is responsible for accepting those values or not. Especially as an adult, you know, as a child, technically, just from a pure technical standpoint, you're responsible for your consciousness as a child as well. But because you are In this great power disparity, it makes sense to perhaps not question the values that you are being, they're essentially being hoisted upon you. Once you are an adult, especially, however, it's essential for your self esteem and happiness to think critically about the values by which you are living. I mean, are you on autopilot and carrying out unconscious momentum of the values that were hoisted upon you so this this one about thinking think of others first if that one is one that was big for you it's a great place to start and so developing a sense of core values from a place of consciousness from place of philosophy asking what is the good life what are my values why are these my values and getting clarity this is where the philosophy and psychology inter- interplay right so we want to go back to consciously choosing our values and so we're responsible for that as individuals you can be passive you can be unthinking you can just oh this is the way i was raised this is a common one i hear right well i was raised to be like this right well what is that signaling that's signaling a denial of responsibility for one's own worldview, one's attitudes, one's habits, one's personality even. Like there's so much power in just neuroplasticity for you to choose your own attitudes, beliefs, values, actions, habits, all the things. But that neuroplasticity is only available to you when you choose to raise awareness and choose to interrupt patterns So you might have a lot of neurological myelination, myelination meaning this fatty substance around your synapses that secures habits, basically, that reinforces synaptic connections, right? So you might have been raised a certain way, and so you have all these mindsets and values that you've habituated. But you have the power to say, you know what? What? Values do I want to choose? What makes sense to me? And develop new neural pathways and myelinate those neural pathways and secure them and reinforce them through your own conscious, conscious creativity, deliberation, conscientiousness, personal responsibility. Say, I choose this. So, this idea of I was raised this way, that's an evasive thing. And it's not, there's no shame there. It's understandable. We are basically going through culture, um, an enculturation incultura, process in our family systems and the school system. So we adapt. Um, but we are responsible to, to make sense of things and to say, huh, what happened to me growing up, right? <laughs> what are those values that I adopted in order to maintain attachment, basically? But if I'm going to create and maintain self-esteem then it behooves me and it is essential and paramount for your own well-being, self-esteem, and happiness to think independently and say, what are my values and why? And then to actually act, to take responsibility to say, I'm going to live in accordance with my values and I'm choosing to be in integrity with those values or I'm choosing to not be. So I hope this has been illuminating and empowering and. Again, I invite you to check in with yourself and give yourself grace for your past, perhaps your past habits and past assumptions and past fallible choices that perhaps diminished your self-esteem, where you denied responsibility and recognizing that as Penelope Cruz said in the movie Vanilla Sky. Every passing minute is a chance to turn things all around. And right now in this moment, this very moment, you have the ability to be aware of the facts, to accept the facts, and to choose your response to those facts. And when you build on those first three pillars of self-esteem, you have the power and potential to become unstoppable, creative force of vitality and freedom and aliveness and wholeness. Thanks for listening.